And remember, Sean was right. Stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Gobble, gobble, it's turkey season, and all you fucking teams are turkeys. So, hey, we got Connor here, we've got Sean. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's all down on the south side of the country? All right, I've had a bit of uh, pet-related stuff the last week. Cat got very sick, and we had to take her to the vet on Saturday, and was in there for two days. Pancreatitis. My fiance is a doctor, she says it's very dangerous in humans, but she doesn't know about cats. Apparently, it's more common in cats than it is in humans, so it's maybe less bad. Now, when she's eating, she wasn't eating for like a week, and she was puking all over the place, but now she's back and eating again, so. Looks okay, but yeah, it was kind of a, a harrowing few days there. Yeah, tough going. Um, Jesus. Well, fingers crossed, Hetty yeah. gets gets better. Uh, how about yourself, Fitz? How's all with you? Yeah, pretty quiet, obviously, after the big Munich escapade. Didn't decide to not go too crazy. I went to see the new uh, Black Panther film. It's pretty good. Definitely, we're trying to do too much, but it was pretty good. Working away, you know, we're about, what, a month out from Christmas now, so I'm yeah. thinking about that already. Yeah, I was actually I was getting excited today because I realised I've got two weeks off around Christmas, so very excited for, for that. Similar, not up to a wild pile, I've got a little bit of a head cold chest infection thing which you may hear apologies if i get some sniffles but yeah nothing too too wild or crazy here on our end so i suppose we'll fly into it because we've got a fair bit of news as we mentioned before we're going to do our, our kind of our half year breakdown our coming up to thanksgiving kind of figure out how wrong we were or right we were at the start of the year so mostly wrong mostly wrong although to be honest I, I've, I've done okay i've got more yeah. green on mine than i think others do but uh, i think some of those are optional greens so first up crime and punishment what are they doing probably felonies i, I don't understand the classification felony when it comes to this so probably not tennessee offense coordinator todd dowling has been charged with a dui being caught drug driving after the thursday night football game against green bay obviously as we'll be mentioning in a bit was you know a nice win for them they were obviously celebrating the uh, league came out and made a very strong statement reiterating that alcohol is not meant to be allowed at team facilities or in the buildings or on flights etc afterwards which is obviously a bit weird given some of the stuff you see on on online afterwards you know but i think if we if we contextualize this but this is definitely something that i want to see last year we had the brett reed stuff as well with him crashing into the 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 family car drunk coming out of the team facility this is obviously something that they want to clamp down real hard on real quick it's obviously a bit of a dark mark after what was a kind of a big thursday night win for the team the the nfl made some comments about the the washington team and i think some images that might have come up that showed alcohol on the plane and so there yeah i think there'll be a a stamping down for the next few weeks so that if any of those kind of images come out that the teams will get a, a reprimand. Uh, obviously, you know, drinking while driving is a terrible, stupid thing to do. And as you said, with Brett Reed, that's an example of where the worst can happen. But like, look, the, the, from, from the reports, he was driving at excessive speeds. He was had slurred speech and red eyes. So yeah, just unacceptable behavior. And we'll see what kind of punishment he gets the rest of the way down the, the season. We had a couple of moves, some new players moving around. So Philadelphia, in response to their first loss of the year, said, God, they were really able to run the ball on us. Let's just buy a run defense. So they've signed defensive tackle Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue to try and shore up that. Now, to be fair, they've made a slight mistake and they've bought a run defense from 2010. But, like, you know, these are two good players who'll probably help that D-line rotation. They're getting them later in the season so they'll be more aware on the tires. They're getting them for a decent price. This overall feels like a positive pickup to me, although, like I said, you would prefer these guys to be a couple of years shorter in the tooth. If you want guys who could still 
like rushed the passer successfully though to be fair they did have a shared sack that was pretty funny during the game on Sunday yes probably not ideal like Sue isn't the force he used to be but if you're talking about guys who have good understanding of the game and can still stuff the run and plug up gaps I think Joseph and Sue showed that they can still do that that's a different skill set and we know the veterans can can do the run game stuff well and considering how badly that was going since they lost Jordan Davis to injury for a while I think this was a smart move and the kind of moves that we expect from Philly these days Bringing in veterans seems to be a big move for teams these days, teams that are competing and want to make take an extra step for the Super Bowl. I mean, you, when you think about all the moves the Rams made last year or the bringing in uh, of Von Miller and such like. I mean, it's, it plugs up an obvious spot. And obviously, this is a, the Eagles are like, their team is probably a little bit better or doing a little bit better. It may not necessarily be better, but they're doing a little bit better than they thought. And suddenly they see the Super Bowl and they don't want this one weakness to be the thing that harms them. So it can make sense, but I mean, if they're veterans, it's bringing people in on name, which doesn't necessarily fix the problem. What did you find intriguing? Is it like, like you mentioned that the Rams, that we do see teams who are buying in these pieces. We don't see them quite as quickly to to jump into the market to do the opposite end of it. Like, we'll obviously be talking about this later on in the season, but like the Rams, for example, are a team that effectively their season is done. Why they're not, shifting some of these pieces to try and free up capital for later on. I know some of it is going to be the the types of contracts they've given them, but obviously the likes of Philly are looking to buy in pieces for the moment for, you know, the last push. They've obviously got pieces that are, you know, probably not around next year or don't have long left on them. You're right, John, we see a lot of buyers in this market, but we see a surprising lack of sellers in it. There's two things to note. One, I think the NFL rebuilding isn't really as much of a concept like Philly and Rams and teams like this have shown and Tampa Bay, you know, going all in is the right move for most franchises in the NFL and the ones who are perpetually rebuilding like the Lions just generally don't make it and obviously the trade deadline yeah. uh, extend the trade deadline yeah there's a good argument for that but unfortunately within the reality that exists right now there's no opportunity to really uh, get rid of anyone for any actual value Houston also signed running back you know Benjamin and wide receiver Amari Rogers and Denver have cut ways with running back Melvin Gordon to be honest the Melvin Gordon one I just I wanted to have a brief chat about because that man talked an awful lot of shit for an awful lot of years while never really living up to it so Denver signed Chase Edmonds to be a running back he has a high ankle sprain he's gone for three to six weeks and Denver still decided you know what fuck it Melvin Gordon has had was it eight fumbles this year already or something like that five so far I think. so like he's been he's been a fumbling machine I'll be interested to see if he catches on somewhere because he has had for the last two years a massive problem with fumbles he's been a solid contributor for teams i think he's around at 1100 yards or so for denver in his first two seasons that's around where he was with the chargers as well for most of his time there but he was a guy who held out in the chargers so he doesn't seem like a guy who's necessarily a big team player by any extent but i think yeah just fumbles are just unacceptable in the nfl the fact that the broncos are willing to go with latavius murray and marlon mack basically as their running back tandem for the next few weeks gives you an indication of just how sick of them he was you just talk about teams shedding pieces well I think this is the kind of move of a team that's, uh, you know, definitely in the toilet and it's like, well, we're not going to bring him next year, so he might as well get it over and done with now. I do expect him he might get picked up by someone, though, given he has a pretty good resume. We'll move on to a couple of injuries from around the league. The New York Giants, Jesus, it's a tough week for them. Wide receiver Wondell Robinson has torn his ACL. He's gone for the season. Adoree Jackson, their cornerback, has injured his MCL. He's gone for four to six weeks. Offensive lineman John Feliciano has injured his neck and he's gone week to week. And their other lineman, Tyree Phillips, has injured his neck and is also week to week. Uh, so those are 
are obviously some of the strong points of that team of, you know, O-line backing up that strong run game, the cornerbacks performing pretty well. Atlanta is, you know, superstar tight end. Kyle Pitts has torn his MCL and he's almost certainly gone for the season, although they've only put him on IR, so he's not technically gone, but he's almost certainly gone. And New England offensive lineman David Andrews has injured his thigh, likely gone for the season, although they have stress and he could come back for the playoffs if they make it. And the uh, other lineman, Isaiah Wynn, has injured his foot and he's out for two to four weeks. Not a spot where New England can really afford to be dropping too many pieces. What do we think? This is obviously devastating for the Giants, particularly given that they're just coming off a kind of a, a bit of a, a grounding, we'll say. Yeah, like I think with the Giants, the margins that they've been winning by most of the season have been pretty tight. They're like route to victory, very run heavy, the defense playing well also very tight so if you're losing offensive linemen and you're losing one of the few like decent wide receivers you had like Wanda Robinson had over 100 yards in the game before he went out this week that's obviously going to put more pressure on Saquon Barkley to basically do more magic stuff to kind of make the whole thing work and Daniels uh, continuing to grow he had a bit of regression this week a few turnovers you definitely don't want to see that and then obviously losing your cornerback one of Dory Jackson in what's a very thin cornerback group is obviously not going to help him there so for the Giants a team that obviously has a really good year so far but very much a candidate for regression if injuries like this keep popping up as for Kyle Pitts like look Obviously, fantasy people are really annoyed with him this year. They're expecting him to be like a top three, four, four, five kind of tight end. He obviously hasn't done that, mainly to be fair, because he and Mariota just seem to have no chemistry whatsoever. But he's an incredibly talented player. He will definitely be back next year, and we'll see if he can unlock his potential there. Well, will likely be a new quarterback. As for New England, I think Sean can probably speak to them better. It definitely hurts. I mean, the, the O-line has been probably the best part of the offensive unit this season. I mean, the, the kind of the basis upon which the run game has been built. And obviously, Andrews is the big loss he's kind of the, the long-term veteran you know he's won two two, two super bowls i think with the, the pats he's been there for god seven eight years at this point kind of the, the, the linchpin of that win is less of a loss because he's a bit of a penalty machine as, as indeed i'll talk about it in the mid-season reviews when your offense isn't doing anything at all to lose big pieces is it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if this if this if this weakens the o-line then the pats may be completely screwed offensively even more than they already are What's that? That's Trent Brown's music. He's coming back once again. He seems to be. I want another of, contract. He's in and out of the graces of Bill Belichick every second week. Let's take a run around some of the less serious injuries, but still quite impactful. Chicago quarterback Justin Fields injured his shoulder during the game. He's currently day to day, but there's a lot of uncertainty about whether he'll be able to play this Sunday. The Rams quarterback Matt Stafford received his second concussion in as many weeks. He is now week to week. I would imagine it's time to start locking that down. And as I was mentioning earlier, maybe look towards next season, given that that's Stafford and Cup already injured on that team. Minnesota offensive tackle, Christian Darasaw has a concussion. He's week to week. means he'll miss Thursday night's game. But additionally, you know, a Minnesota team that we saw what the impact of losing people on the line and getting pressure on them would be. So that's a big loss for them. Cincinnati running back Joe Mixon following his five touchdown performance. It's a concussion and he's now week to week. Uh, they did get a lot of production out of Sam J.P. Ryan behind him. So hopefully they'll be able to weather that while he's out chargers mike williams wide receiver is injured his ankle he's week to week but on the plus side they did get some of their other wide receivers back so like <laughs> so it's like taking with one hand giving away with the other and kansas city turns out that maybe it wasn't completely fake Kadarius tony has a hamstring injury maybe this is the fabled hamstring injury from new york so he's now week to week and running back uh, clyde edwards hilaire has an ankle injury so they say he's going to be gone for two to six weeks question marks being over whether it's that severe or whether it's a slight cover for him being pushed a little bit out of the job by pacheco in recent times so is there any of those you guys 
guys want to jump in on? Well, look, Justin Fields has been a superstar in the last month or so, ever since that New England game in primetime. Obviously a guy who's been leaning significantly on his talent as a runner, and that means he's been taking a lot of hits. He's more like an orgy tree than a Russell Wilson. I think even if he can play, if he's lost some of his mobility, or if he needs to be more protective himself, you do imagine he'll have a slight dip in production, but I think given what they've seen there, I think he will definitely want to play. But I suppose for the long-term future of the franchise, I don't know if they'll need to be extra cautious or not. I think they have a buy in a couple of weeks and maybe they'll wait till that. But yeah, look, if he is injured for, for any significant period, that's obviously a big loss for Chicago and probably sends it back to being completely unwatchable. As for Stafford, and I think similar with Darius, actually, you know, these are guys who already had a concussion in recent weeks and now have a second one. That's obviously a huge concern and obviously something which is additionally dangerous above and beyond just having a concussion generally. So definitely keep an eye on both of those. Obviously Stafford, obviously in a team that's irrelevant. So uh, like there's all the reason to kind of protect him if you want him to be there next year. And Darius is cleaning like a top level franchise tackle for the Minnesota Vikings so there'll definitely be a drop down on that offensive line for them and given what just happened last week <laughs> they probably can't afford that and as for Mixon, Williams and Tony and CEH like these are all great contributors and they'll obviously hope to have them sooner rather than later but getting them healthy for their respective hopeful playoff runs the Chargers are a bit more uncertain there probably the main priority it's also worth noting all the concussion injuries definitely seems to be post to uh, the new concussion protocols or whatever they seem to be actually taking it a bit more seriously now that you actually see players missing missing games because of concussions which you definitely did not see as, as often before the, the two incidents earlier this season yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it definitely seems to be a point of focus for the NFL. And with that, what we'll do is we're going to jump into our mid-year review and have a look at some of the bits uh, that we got right and what we got wrong. So let's start with our kind of... Fitz did a great job of trying to make this a little bit more of a our mid-season Thanksgiving ceremony. So gift-giving, I think, is the first up. So this is our kind of our positive awards, right? Like our, our bad our bad section in a moment is called Biggest Turkeys. I was considering just calling it Small Pox Blanket, but... Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, a little, a little insensitive. <laughs> yeah. Too hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> Gift-giving. Uh, gift we'll start with cor- the good things. Cor- cornucopias, uh, whatever. Okay, so breakout players. We'll, we'll hold our hands up. None of us are sticking to our, our preseason predictions, our week one predictions for breakout players. So this is kind of not a first-year player. This is a surprise player showing up. Uh, I had Alan Robinson. Wow, big, big L on that one. Ronan, you had Trey Lance and Sean had Jerry Judy. Yeah, none of us really cover ourselves in glory on this one, but uh, we're all in agreement on who it is. Do you want to tell us, Sean? Gone for the sensational Justin Fields. I mean, it's it's only been three or four weeks, but it's just it's phenomenal just how much the, the Bears have changed since they decided to just let Justin be Justin and, you know, on the ground, he's he's a, he's a menace to, to every defense out there and he definitely looks like the big superstar breakout of the 2021 QB class. And if Bears fans are just... Cursing that they didn't do this maybe six or seven weeks earlier when they might still have had a chance to do well. But yeah, he looks like a, a real superstar and definitely the Bears, uh, someone to build around for years to come. Even if the injury is significant and he misses some time or he's not quite the same player, just what we saw for the last month or so would probably still make him my breakout player at the end of the season. I think yeah. it's hard to see someone coming in and doing what he did and just you know making the NFL stand up. Top top marks for Justin Fields. Best rookie. So week one, Sean had Aiden Hutchinson, who has, in the last couple of weeks, come on, leaps and bounds. He's had a couple of sacks, a couple of interceptions. He's looked pretty tasty, but uh, you're moving off of him. Ronan, you had Trayvon Walker. A little bit disappointing, but he's, he's actually been solid. It's just he's not showing up on the kind of the uh, splash play stats, and he's obviously in the defense, which is somewhat uh, flattered to deceive yeah. to some extent. 
I had running back Brees Hall, who I think was probably locked on to be this until the injury happened. But I think we've all kind of gone for the same area, although I do have an honourable mention as well. We've all, we've all seemed to be mostly in agreement that like the best rookie is the Jets cornerback, lost in the sauce, Sauce Gardner. Yes? Fun, uh, and he's good at football. And it's I, I am putting a small addendum ad- ad- of like an honourable mention to Damian Pierce because he's literally the entirety of the Texans. <laughs> so yeah, so our, our, our mid-season thing is the best rookie is, is Sauce Gardner. Gardner, so that's good. I think his only real uh, competition in defensive rookie of the year would probably be maybe Tariq Woolen, cornerback for Seattle. Hutchinson definitely still has a shot. He's been showing up at the stat sheet recently as the Detroit defense has gone from being absolutely awful to being somewhat acceptable. And Trayvon Walker, I don't I don't think at this point he makes it, but he'd probably still be in the uh, stat sheet. But I think on the offensive side, Damien Pierce is a good shout. Kenneth Walker's a good shout. Like I think once you lost Hall, you don't really have that superstar offensive rookie anymore. Like Olave is solid and stuff like that. But Hall was looking like you know, just one of those guys who's going to break the league. Sauce Gardner, Rookie of the Year. Okay, next up we had our MVP. So we had... I'm sticking with who I had in week one. Come on, Connor, just say it. When will you people learn? When will you people <laughs> learn? Okay. No, it's fine. See, Josh Allen, I didn't mind the selection of Josh Allen because I could see that. Now, if you... If it was a kind of a backing the Chargers situation, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But no, you guys had Josh Allen. Josh Allen's been playing pretty well. But I think we're all in agreement we're swapping that the moment at the midpoint we're talking Pat Mahomes is the he's ascending he's reaching new levels it's scary yeah (laughs) I mean part of me does want to be stubborn and stick with Josh Allen because I do think the Bills will they just have they will bounce back from the last few weeks haven't been great and I I think he will have a big say in it but Mahomes is just he's playing on a whole other stratosphere at the moment and yeah yeah he's got that MVP vibe where he's just noticeably the best player in the league by quite a distance like he's on, he's on pace for over fifty five hundred yards. He's you know, kicking up massive yardage, making very few mistakes. And as we say at the moment, I think he's he's got the he's got the kind of the the the, the spectacle game. So we're, we'll talk about Sunday night football things like you know putting on a performance like that, putting up that yardage with your top two three receivers missing like onto your second running back and still being able to pull off some ridiculous throws and stuff he's it's setting up well as a campaign would go so next up then we have our justin tucker memorial award for special teamers not named justin tucker we had a lot of different ones so i had Kevonte turpkin he's pretty good to be fair he has yeah no Roden had jordan stout and sean had uh gunner oleski i just want for corderell patterson because i thought I watched his, his 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 kickoff return there, and it was great. Is was this his ninth in his career? Just like yeah, give, you know, give, give give the man some uh, give the man some props. It's a shout out, and it makes sense. He, he's obviously broke a record there. He's obviously really good. I went for Dallas kicker Brad Maher just because he hit like two sixty yarders, and he's actually been pretty solid. I was I was going to put in Butker because you know absence definitely made the uh, heart grow fonder in his case. Yeah, uh, although he did, actual... he did he did have a game and a half where he was just kind of missing shit like. Yeah, but he does have the longest kick this year. But I went for Brett Maher, the, the, the double 60. I was impressed by that. He's been pretty solid overall as well. Yeah. And uh, Sean? Yeah, I was going to go for Devin Duvernay because I think he has been one of the best returners this year and has also shown up on the passing game. But I've gone. My heart just couldn't let the moment pass uh, the wonderful ending to last Sunday's game. I've gone for <laughs> Marcus Jones, the, the kick returner for the Pats. We will probably never hear his name uttered on an NFL broadcast again, but... He at least has one win in the column of I, I single-handedly won that game. Uh, so that's Excellent. 
Excellent. Now we're going to move to our, uh, our, our our negative side, our biggest turkeys. Most penalty yardage. Uh, Tom Cable, most penalty yards prize. I had Dan Sorensen. I still think it's a good shout, just he's not getting as much play. Uh, Ronan had Alex Leatherwood, and uh, Sean had Trayvon Diggs. I think we're all swapping here. So combination of lots of yardage and a hilarious name, Rashad Wild Goose, the defensive back for Washington, is my pick. Uh, Ronan? Yeah, I'm just going with Jermaine Luminor. He's quite high up there. I think he has 58 yards so far. And I just like the name. It's kind of like some Lord of the Rings shit, you know? Mm. So I'm going to go with that. And I've gone for Isaiah Wynn because I actually think he might actually be literally at the top of the penalty yards. Uh, <laughs> it seems like every single game he's got a penalty against him. It's the guy yeah. for me. Very good. Next up was our Jamarcus Russell Hype Train Crash Award. This one overall, guys, we didn't do too great on. So, Sean, you said the hype train that was going to crash was the Philadelphia Eagles. I maintain that they're not actually as good as people think. and I don't. Think <laughs> They've lost one game. <laughs> Who have they beaten? Who have they beaten? Nobody. Everyone put in front of them, uh, apart from one. <laughs> in terms of me, the jury's still a little bit out the Eagles, although they have definitely put me in the shame of being better than I thought they were. I've changed to, I mean, the, the hype train crash thing is a bit hard to do mid-season because it's like you're going back to think about what the hype was at the start of the yeah, season. Yeah. I've gone, gone for the AFC West, aside from KC, obviously, where everyone was bigging up this division as the toughest division in football, et cetera, et cetera, and... Aside from the Chiefs, they've all completely crashed and burned. The Chargers are charging pretty damn hard. The Raiders are just a terrible football team. And uh, the Broncos are... Russell Wilson is sounds seems like the worst possible trade in the history of the NFL that they've made. So yeah. the AFC West is definitely turning into a bit of a dumpster fire outside of KC. I'm with you. Ronan, you took the brave stance of saying Saquon Barkley was going to be terrible this season. Yeah, I got that very, very, very wrong. But uh, I feel confident in my uh, new hype train crash award. The Rams, literally the Super Bowl winners, soon to be probably like bottom a bottom dollars. five team. And of course, they don't have the first round picks. So they're not even getting out of that. Yeah, uh, I'm going to stick with my My prediction was this whole, the Raiders are going to compete for the AFC West. I said they were going to finish fourth and they were going to be terrible. And it looks exactly like that's happening. So I'm sticking with the Raiders. third and still be terrible. Yeah, but I still think they're going to come out the bottom. I think they're just... I think they're awful, but we'll see. Next up, the Sanchez, the most embarrassing moment of the year. My prediction was Antonio Brown run onto the fields for the Bucks and pretend he'd only just left recently and that he never actually left the team. It hasn't happened yet. I still think it could. But so far of the year to date, the most embarrassing moment, I think, is Washington putting out a statement about how the most important thing is about real crime, like what happened to Brian Robinson, and not the crimes of me and my colleagues. Yeah, just trying to deflect from their own shithousery by trying to exploit gun crime that happened to a man who was working for them kind of yeah that 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 does it for me ronan yeah i i'm happily wrong on this i was gonna i said the seahawks qb battle will be a mess this year i've been completely proven wrong gino smith is god uh, at this point so i'm gonna pivot to miami's handling of the whole two a concussion situation let him go back out there uh the coach mike mcdaniel talked about well he he seemed to enjoy himself on the plane uh he seemed good for him then it was just a lot of bad rhetoric and it's basically so bad it's changed the entire perception of concussions for the rest of the season so that's a pretty big fuck up but at least one that seems to have a positive outcome in the long term and sean you had one that pretty much came very close to being true slash might be true this week anyway 
I'm I'm claiming a win here. I I went for Baker Mayfield loses his starting job to Sam Darnold. What actually happened was even more embarrassing. He lost his starting job to PJ Walker, and he may lose his starting job multiple times this season. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I'm definitely claiming a win in in that. Here in the edit boot, Sam Darnold just named starter for the Panthers this week. Sean now completely right on this prediction. Hundred percent. I think think the cycle of Carolina quarterbacks is going to speed up as the season goes on. Every week it's a new Carolina quarterback. We'll let's all enjoy that for the rest of the year. And the dumpster fire of the year. So, Sean, you started with the Bears. You've moved. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying in the NFC North, though. I've gone for the Packers. We knew they would their offense would struggle in the aftermath of Devontae Adams leaving. We did not know it would be this bad. And they went multiple weeks without Aaron Rodgers being able to find a single wide receiver out there. And now he's turned out that he's turned out to be terrible as well, whether it's his thumb injury or whatever's going on. He's thrown some pretty awful interceptions. And of course, he's blaming everyone except himself. So definitely a dumpster fire going on in Green Bay. Yeah, that is the weirdest thing as well, that he's going out there and he's literally throwing everyone else under the bus. Given like, if this is a man who's thinking about, and this is future casting a bit, he gets to hit free agency, he gets to choose where he goes next year. If you, if you want to be able to have your choice of team or find place to try and Brady it out for two years and kind of go for a run of things. You don't want to be known as a complete prick, and he's not helping himself there. Ronan, you're uh, you actually have one that you're pretty happy with on this one. Yeah, and this is projection to some extent because I picked the Browns. I'm happy to stick with it. This season's been pretty bad. They're three and seven. They've had a lot of games that they lost that they could have won. But really, it's more about that in a couple of weeks. We're about to see the Faustian bargain come due, and this team getting shot on deservedly so by everyone in the league and in the media and by everyone else so you know when you, you know you're not even going to be in playoff position so it won't actually matter for the rest of the season that'll just make it all the more uh, sweet as they get it right in the neck uh, and deservedly so yeah i had my dumpster fire being washington to be fair they started out the season that way but they started to round into a bit of fa- form underneath tyler heineke so i've said to swap it to the raiders who i already had as my hype crash team and i just think double down on that nice bit of enjoyment for me Okay, reaping the harvest. These are our kind of how we thought the season was going to finish, and we'll see how much this has changed. So our wild card, which was kind of like someone who surprises you for you know basically getting into a wild card where you wouldn't expect it. We have two of you guys had ones that are for different reasons. So Sean, Jags. Yeah, Jags not quite made it. I mean they've looked okay at certain points, but they're they're not going to be the dominant team. I've changed to the Pats because I honestly think this Pats team could go quite deep in the playoffs because Belichick is going to destroy football and make us all watch him as he just as he completely and utterly destroys the spectacle. They're going to grind out games 10-3 in the playoffs and they could quite go quite deep. So I'm I'm sticking my hat on my boys and I'm calling them to be my my, my welcome. Interesting. What happens when he plays like a not shit quarterback? Cuz that is kind of what he's been beaten up on for the last while. Well, that's just the next level. I mean, it's Bill Belichick. He'll definitely come with plans for somebody. No, I, I think he's reached a level of I can I can create the ultimate defensive plan to destroy all enjoyment of the sport. Uh, and I think it, I think it's a universal script. I think it can work. Fair enough, Ronan. You thought Philly were a wild card team. Yeah, like it depends how you define the wild card. But yeah, I think they're probably too good to be a wild card at this point. Even though Dallas are giving them a run for the money, so like that may. I mean, end you could say your prediction true. was too successful. That, that's the thing. But I'm going to go with what I think is more in spirit of the wild card, which I think is the Seattle Seahawks. They're a team that I think almost certainly make the playoffs. They have a pretty like light schedule for the next three or four weeks. But I think San Francisco are a better team, so they'll probably win that division. And they're just a fun, crazy team that you don't know what's going to happen once they make the playoffs. So I think Seattle right now feel to me that have the spirit of the wild card in them. 
Yeah. My week one was the Saints, who are still somewhat live for a shot at a wild card. The thing is, I desperately hope they don't get it because they're not the most entertaining to look at. What I've swapped to is the Jets, who have had a lovely surprise push all the way up. They're starting to fall down to earth a little bit. They have some problems at the quarterback position. Do you want to know a real grim stat, guys? Joe Flacco holds their most passing touchdowns still, having only played like four games. Um, <laughs> like, uh, as in, they're going to well, have. My favorite side is they. Average 2.7 inches on their offensive plays in the second half. Yeah, it was. And this is the thing, like, it, it, it is remarkable of, like, just how much just a very basic quarterback would do for them at the moment of, like, you know, their defense is playing championship level. If you want to talk, like, the Patriots defense playing well, like, they were, the Patriots have a slightly better quarterback than the Jets do now, slightly. And they also held them to three points and it was the special teams thing that did it, like, they're going to have to swap out of Zach Wilson as soon as they possibly can, even to just a weird, like, just put Lacko in for two games or something and just try and refresh. And about again, Mike White named starter for Week 12, so Connor's wish has come true. But yeah, I think the Jets making a runner that would be fun. I know Harry, the occasional contributor and, and, and ex-every-weeker on the thing, he has a he belief that all four of the AFC East teams are going to make the playoffs, which is an interesting one, and I don't think will happen. But I think... Three of them might, so we'll see. AFC champion. I'm sticking with my picks. Yeah, I think I'm going with the Chiefs as well, just because they they just look very very good right now. And uh, even though I think Buffalo are definitely gonna like play them close, there's something with this Chiefs team that feels a little bit inevitable, like those New England teams of old. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't want to give up Buffalo because I do have a special place in my heart for them as a team, and I do think they are quite a good team. But this this Chiefs team is is definitely. It's getting the moment. It's getting that championship momentum going at the right time. So yeah, they'll yeah. be hard to stop. And this is the thing: I could one hundred percent see the Bills team coming in and winning. Should they like they won during the midseason game as well? I will say, Buffalo fans, particularly your online group, maybe get your priorities in order. There's a lot of people going. Can't believe like we might have to go to Arrowhead to play them in the playoffs. I'm like, win your fucking division first. Like <laughs> they're in what third. I think they're second now because the Jets lost. But like, second, yeah, yeah, they're I get it. Like they were so hyped up, they're they're forgetting. Yeah, they're in a tough division. Uh, whereas the Chiefs are just coasting to that uh, yeah, yeah. potentially number one. NFC champion. I had Tampa Bay and you boys had Green Bay. We're both we're all swapping out of these. I can see Tampa Bay making it, making a surprise yeah. push at the end. Like yeah, they they feel like a team that could ascend to being more like what we expect. But uh, yeah, like given what we've seen for the first half, I think it's fair to say that. Picking Philly, like you've done, and I pick Philly, and Sean's pick San Francisco, they're all fair shouts over Tampa Bay or Green Bay. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I think Philly, like, yeah. like I don't disagree to a certain extent, Sean. I think to Philly, like, they haven't really been fully tested yet. And San Francisco are a team that has obviously, with the CMC edition, you know, gained a lot of uh, fans very quickly. But I think just like based on what we have right now, I'm willing to project that Philly are still the best team in the NFC. But there's some decent teams yeah, there, like the, the Cowboys and 49ers to keep an eye on. Yeah, I actually almost lean toward the Cowboys because I do think they're probably are the most complete team in the NFC right now. But there is just something about this 49ers. CMC has just completely oh. changed the entire mood around the 49ers. And they just they just look like a team that's going to go on a run. Sorry, I was just having a look there as well because I was about to say, like, I think, well, like, they, 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 uh, they won the previous one against the Cowboys, but now the Cowboys are coming back together. I was like, that'll be a hell of a game. When is that? When is it, boys? Half nine on Christmas Eve absolutely perfect <laughs> oh that'll be great yeah no I can, I can completely see that I would I was contemplating Dallas for this particularly after the, the, the game against Minnesota there that they just delivered I think as uh, as Philly are, are 
are doing. We have to just let them let let them hold their position for now. And Super Bowl winner, we've all gone with KC in that scenario. I could see I could see the, the NFC team winning if it's one of these teams in form. Like we said, 49ers in form. They have a good defense, particularly if they can get everyone back a little bit healthier. Dallas have just a very, very good overall team, particularly now they start moving to Pollard. I could see those things happening, but I'll side with KC for the moment. Yeah, but Someday the 49ers in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, is there's going to be some trauma there, and it's going to be a PTSD situation. Like they'll, oh, yeah. they'll get up in the fourth quarter and have another meltdown. and that As be, long as they don't start celebrating, whatever, 14 minutes early, like they did the last time. <laughs> note, note to every NFL team, never celebrate while KC are behind you. Like, yeah. that just bad vibes. We're about to come into the game, but uh, that was that was what happened. There was a minute and a half left in the Chiefs game, and Patrick Mahomes came out smiling, and you knew you were in trouble. And on that lovely little kind of, uh, I suppose, tease, we'll move on to the game reviews. So first up, we have Sunday Night Football, Kansas City at the LA Chargers, 30-27, to a very exciting game that went right down to the end. Mahomes, 352 yards and three touchdowns, leads a 1-minute 15 winning drive after kind of a big, crazy fourth quarter where there was fumbles back and forth, there was an interception, there was two touchdowns. The Chargers made the interesting call of, you know, they went, oh, we shouldn't. We should cover Kelsey, but that's what they want us to do. So Kelsey went for 115 and three touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheco led out the running backs with over 100 yards. Yeah, like it was pretty good overall performance. The ball getting spread around quite a lot. Although just going back to the old classic, Kelsey's just going to get it all at the end. Herbert went for nearly 300 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He had a couple of his weapons back, which were good. Allen went for 94 yards and a fumble. And Eckler went for 100 yards and a touchdown. Palmer had 106 and two touchdowns. I hope he enjoyed being on absolutely everyone in the world's fantasy benches at that point. But yeah, it was pretty much, as as I think was mentioned in the preview last week, the run defense was really exposed. They let out over 140 on the ground. Chiefs defense really turned up in the tail end of this game to kind of close it out. When the when the Chargers got the ball back with an attempt to kind of recreate the scoring quickly and getting a field goal to tie up a game kind of scenario, we saw a sack. We saw three men pressuring Herbert as he then had to kind of haul the ball off into double coverage where it got knocked up and intercepted to seal out the game. But yeah, like top to bottom... Very strong performance from Kansas City, particularly given that they were missing several starters on the offense and one or two defensive pieces. But particularly on the offense, it was great to see them be able to put out this kind of output, even though they were down, whatever, three of their top pass catchers. Firstly, I just think I would gladly watch the Chargers and the Chiefs just play nonstop. They just put them on every week for our enjoyment. They always seem to put on a good show, and especially when they're on prime time. It was kind of classic Chiefs against classic Chargers, you know, that the Chiefs looked beaten, but Pat Mahomes gets on the field with a chance to win in the last minute of the game and you're not going to stop him. And he was conjuring plays out of thin air and doing all the, the usual stuff that he does. And it, it just, you know, it felt inevitable that the Chiefs were going to, to win this game. And, and it is, you know, it's hard to, when you're watching a player week in, week out, to really appreciate just how good this player is. But I, I think it is important to acknowledge Mahomes is playing some of the best quarterbacking I think I've, I've ever seen and he just does it so consistently and it just looks like he could do this for the next 10 or 20 years that it's just amazing I mean the Chiefs also I mean you've got to acknowledge the defense you know plays quite well at certain times I, I like Chris Jones I think he's, he's doing quite good so the, the, the Chiefs certainly seem like I've been talking an awful, awful lot about how they're kind of putting the pieces together slowly to build up the momentum and it now feels like that momentum is taking off and they're starting to go somewhere very interesting in terms of the Chargers uh, it's uh, it's so hard to know about this team they're they're five and five. The AFC wildcard race is quite tough. It's it's difficult to know. 
they're going to get in unless they win, say, 11 games, which could be quite tricky to do from here. They're very exciting when they're healthy. I mean, for that for that brief window of time when they had all their players back, it, it looked like the early season charges and that, that team that looked really good on both sides of the ball and looked quite exciting. And it looks like when that team is healthy, if they can get healthy for the playoffs, they could be quite dangerous. But, you know, the loss of Mike Williams hurts their long game and, and they just don't look like the same. They don't seem to have those replacements that they need to, to fit in. There's also, I mean, that, that old Achilles heel, the run defense seems to be to be back that the front seven in general just doesn't seem to play particularly well and there seems to they don't seem to have solved that problem on that side of the ball so the chargers are it's it's tough they're a really exciting team really talented team but i I question if they're going to make the playoffs from here given that the the difficulty of of getting out of the afc at the moment with with quality teams seems like the Bengals and the the pats and and the dolphins etc etc not to mention that the the bills are all probably going to be ahead of them in terms of the wildcard race it's going to be tough for them. But for the Chiefs, the sky's the limit, you know. This this team can go anywhere they want. And with Pat Mahomes, there can be, it's going to be very difficult to stop Mahomes in close games the way down the stretch. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out, of course, that, you know, Chargers fans have complained all season about having injuries to their wide receivers and their weapons. Don't forget the Chiefs were missing Juju Smith-Schuster. They were missing Mecole Hardman. Kadarius Tony went out early in this game. CEH went out in this game. And it just didn't make a big difference. Now, I know Travis Kelsey is really the, the wide receiver one, practically speaking, for the Chiefs. So, obviously, if you lost him, that would be the true test of how robust Patrick Mahomes could be when shorn of all of his best weapons. But even given that, it just didn't seem to make a difference. The verse attack that they've put together this year when Tyreek Hill is gone and they've just been willing to give the ball, he just seems to be reading the, the game at a higher level. He's taken another step up and it just it's kind of scary to see for the rest of the NFL at the season. Just like, you know, you know, I think Dan Hansis was joking about the fact that the win probability graphic came up uh, when the Chiefs got it back within the two-minute warning and it had like 20-something percent and he's just like, that, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes. That, just put that away. It's basically 100% they're going to score. It's just about it whether it's going to leave enough time for the other guys to score or not uh, and so it proved to be like a 115 uh, to score a touchdown it's just you know for most t- quarterbacks ridiculous for Patrick Mahomes that's just another Sunday Um, so like for the Chiefs you know with the run game starting to get going albeit against a bad run defense with Checo with just not really matting as long as Kelsey's healthy the rest of things are seem to work and the defense which has really stepped up in recent weeks they are looking scary and the Chargers like I think I think they're a team that could definitely win 10 wins. We'll see if that's enough for the wild card. But if Allen can stay healthy, he did make a difference. Um, if Williams can come back and be healthy for some of these weeks, that'll be good. And Eckler's obviously been a stud. I think they're still a good game. But just that, just, yeah, I think as Sean said, just the same old issues with them when they go up against the best teams. But I think they're good enough to get, like, you know, enough wins to be relevant at the end of the season, but, you know, not the Chiefs level. Yeah, next up we have Philly at Indianapolis, 17-16. to 16, And I think everyone was surprised it was going to be this close a game. Hearts went for 190 a touch down the fumble he also put up 88 in the ground and he had a rushing touchdown he used his legs quite a bit to try and fix the uh, fact that they needed 14 points in the fourth quarter to stop the nearly unstoppable Jeff Saturday it would appear Indianapolis defense really stepped up here they got a fumble three sacks three tackles for a loss and they caused Hurts and all them a lot of problems Ryan 200 odd yards was fine they got Taylor going a bit, 94, a touchdown and a fumble, but like, you know, the Philly defensive line were trying to shut him down. Ryan had a couple of moments where, like, you know, he made the right call, he did a, did the right thing, but I've never seen a man look like it was taking more out of him to throw a ball 15 yards than Matt Ryan in this. Like, he is 
so far past his physical ability to play that position at the moment. It's very, like, you don't want to say Peyton Manning because, you know, Peyton Manning's highs were higher, but, like, it reminds me of that final year of Peyton Manning where he just didn't have it anymore. Yeah, the Philly defensive line got a fumble, four sacks, and seven tackles for a loss because he just wasn't able to kind of get out of the way. So the new defensive tackles, like, in theory are working out. The problem was, like, you're playing an Indianapolis team who are beating you in the fourth quarter and you need a massive comeback that's not what I like to think of as winning football and this Philly team this is what I think Sean was meaning when he said like that just doesn't feel quite right like who have they beaten they limped past this Indianapolis team now they are obviously great because they beat the Chiefs early in the season it is a question as to how on paper it doesn't make sense that this was this much of a struggle to me like Indianapolis are kind of in a weird space right now obviously Jeff Saturday comes in and wins that game against the Raiders and kind of a shootout this week they come out strong to start they stop Philly a few times they get a nice 75 yard uh, drive touchdown ends with a JT uh, touchdown and Jonathan Taylor does look better but as the game went on they kind of got up early but as the game went on they they were giving Philly the chance to stick around and like look Philly had to score 14 points at the end of this game to actually get it done Um, and so if you're an Indianapolis fan it's definitely kind of annoying and as as we talked about the AFC wildcard hunt is going to be pretty tough I don't think they're really in competition with Tennessee right now for the AFC South so I think it'll be frustrating as as an Indianapolis fan to see what could have been I suppose like Jeff Saturday I don't know if he's the long-term solution here but I think sometimes you see guys come in and they have the right attitude and they just create a fill-up from a what was not as we didn't expect this to be a bad team we expected to be kind of an average team and they now look like a somewhat average team rather than the disaster they were for a month or so uh, towards the end of Frank Reich's tenure there so I think Indianapolis will make some trouble for other teams going forward you know it does I think to some extent expose Philly as not being quite as strong as maybe some of their early results indicated like Indianapolis defense is a I think is a solid unit but the issue for this team is still the offense Ryan as you said definitely looks past it I think he's looked better since he came back in but he's still nowhere near what they were hoping when they signed him but Taylor's looking a little bit better especially early in this game though he had a bit of a fumble Uh, and I think just Philly's defense is really why I think Philly's defense should really take the the flowers here they really clamped down after those early issues you saw Sue and Joseph get together they got like a shared sack as I talked about early and they just clamped down on that run game and made Ryan try to win the game and in the end he wasn't able to do that as for the Philly offense I think it's really about Jalen Hurts like he definitely struggled this game but I think we've seen other guys like say Lamar Jackson struggle in recent weeks but I think the big thing about Hurts is that when the chips were down they just basically went all in Hurts run the ball Hurts put your body on the line and when he's when he's fully willing to do that a bit like when Josh Allen did that towards the end of the last season the offense becomes an extra level above where you kind of see that they have that second third fourth gear that when they get to the playoffs that that is in their back pocket so you know I think obviously not the game script they would have wanted but they gutted it out a championship level win you might say and then we'll move on from here but yeah I think there's definitely chinks in the armor here for the Philly but better to find out about them now than in the playoffs in my opinion. I mean, I think the momentum has kind of really come off the, the Eagles in the last few weeks. They haven't looked quite as explosive as they did earlier. I'm, I'm definitely getting 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers vibes from them, you know, the, the team that went 11-0 and ended up going out in the wild card after losing five of their last six games. It doesn't feel like this Eagles team is the best team in the NFC, or certainly the way that they're playing at the moment. Their, their offense is definitely not clicking like it did earlier in the year. You're seeing more mistakes. You're seeing more turnovers. Some teams have started to maybe figure out where the weaknesses in this team are. There's The advanced stats, I believe, tell us that the, the throwing is a little bit too conservative in spots. I think Hurts is down at the bottom end of the 
the NFL in terms for throws over 20 yards. I think they only went for three long throws in this game uh, and only one of them kind of worked out well. This is apparently quite similar to what happened in the Washington game. So it kind of, it demonstrates that there's definitely a weak spot there. There's also, I think, Hertz is not great at throwing under pressure. I, start, I, I mean, I think in general, we're starting to see that, that Jalen Hurts is not the the breakout MVP superstar. He's, he's definitely a player who's improving and he's definitely a quarterback who looks like he's got a lot of talent and certainly looks like this is, has been a great season for him, but he's not... He's not made that super jump to the next level that that a team that wants to compete for Super Bowls might want to do. The the defense obviously looks good and they're trying to fix certain spots, but I do think that there's weaknesses in this offense the teams are starting to figure out. And it'd be interesting to see if the if the Eagles can can counter adjust going down the stretch because now teams are going to be targeting now that they are a team that is known to be good and, and teams are going to be going after them. In terms of the Colts, I mean it's it's a weird one because obviously the Jeff Saturday thing is is a very strange variable to thrown into this mix. My reading is just it's a reversion to the mean, but, you know, in a good way that they've suddenly they've always had talented pieces. I mean, Taylor's good. Ryan is a decent defading quarterback. Their defense has some good parts, especially in terms of the, the run stopping. They just whatever the Frank Reich era, they, they seem to have a bit of a meltdown there when the offense wasn't working. The, the coaching just wasn't clicking. And I think just the change coaching kind of a clearing of the air has allowed this team to get back to where they are. And that is a, a decent kind of bubble team. They're probably going to. The, you know, they're a 50-50 chance on an average year whether they make the playoffs. I think this is one of the years where they don't make it because of their, their slow start. But they never were a bad team. They just weren't playing very well. And now they kind of get a sense of who they are uh, as a team in general. But, I, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about the Colts if I'm in the AFC in the playoff run. And if I'm in the NFC, I think the Eagles can be got at. Albeit they're still, you know, they're still an exciting team and they still have A.J. Brown and stuff that can break stuff up. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid of them in the same way that I might be afraid of the Cowboys or the 49ers right now. Fair enough. Next up, we'll look at the Jets at New England 3-10. to This is uh, very fitting because today is 10 years to the day that the Jets took on New England and committed the butt fumble. You know, <laughs> piece of history for you all there. This was heartbreaking for the Jets, whose defense played out of its skin, as did New England's. And then a Marcus Jones punt return kind of just destroyed it. Yeah, so the, like, the Jets defense had six sacks, eight tackles for a loss. Wilson... Managed 77 yards in this game. Uh, the run game didn't go anywhere either. The big Mac attack had 246 yards. This is the thing. Every time that they started getting somewhere, they got over the 50-yard line. Or whatever, the Jets' defense stiffened up and they caused issues. They gave them longer field goals. Because that was the other thing. That, like, we saw Folk, he was normally pretty reliable, go one of three in this. And I'm not sure if we can put that on the weather. We can put that on, you know... The, the, the pressure he was being put under by their special teams and defense. I don't know, but... like the, the weather was pretty bad. Like I think uh, Zerline had to do some kind of geometry wars. Kick I did, I did his see his kick. weird triangle kick thing, <laughs> yeah, which was which was. So bizarre. it was it was very windy there. I'll put it there, right? So we're looking at a spot where if, if I tell you that your quarterback passes for seventy-seven yards and you have like thirty-three yards on the ground, so you have one hundred and ten yards total. Would you take a tie with like a minute to go? I think you would. Like, but yeah, it was it was over. The UN defense also played a blinder like we said they kept them to lower yardage they had four sacks seven tackles for a loss it was very as you said john this is this is belichick's dream it's boiling football down to all the bits that no one wants to watch and then winning there it is grim it is but the thing is it's grim but it's impressive it is impressive so imagine what kind of dynasty he could build if he had a real quarterback <laughs> If only, if only Pats fans would uh, yeah, have to assess that that's a big if only for us. I mean, it's just watching the Pats this season has been a bit of a slog in terms of actually watching enjoyable football, but it's just been, it's amazing to watch what a really top level defensive coach 
can do with you know occasionally impressive pieces. I mean, they have Matt Judon and a couple of other good defenders, but it's not the most talented defense of the world. But he's just turned them into this and team is like, okay, our offense is garbage. We're not going to score more than 17 points in a game. So our defense has to be the best defense in the history. And he's just been on a mission to just completely reduce football to, to game to 6-3 or 10-3 or 13-3 type games. And it's working. And Part of me just wants to see how far this can go because I do kind of feel as if the if the Pats could grind it out, they could actually not only make the playoffs but maybe win a few games in the way. I mean, I can't see them, I can't see them grinding down a, a Josh Allen led Buffalo Bills or a Pat Mahomes led uh, Kansas City Chiefs, but I can certainly see them, you know, you know, impacting against a non top level quarterbacks. Looking but forward to the they... Titans playoff game already. <laughs> <laughs> These are the kind of teams you can target: the Titans or the Dolphins. Someone who is a quarterback who's maybe not top tier. Certainly, the the Pats defense are going to try and eat them up. And the reason is because the offense is garbage, right? Mac Jones is. I don't want to take he's taken a step back because I mean this was kind of to a certain extent how what he was doing last year, but it's just basically no advancement. There's been no taking the next step, uh, and the pieces around him aren't performing. Whatsoever, and yet the Pats. I, as a Pats fan, I'm actually quite positive. I'm loving. I'm kind of loving the underdog Pats fan era, where it's not you're expected to win every game. It's just we have no idea what's going to happen, but it's going to be a lot of fun to to watch this team boa constrictor their way to to a ten and seven record. But I think the real story is the Jets because this Jets team is now. I, I crisis may be too hard a word, but they're definitely at a crossroads because this. Defense, Robert Sala has created a playoff caliber defense. This defense is ready to go right now and do some serious damage at the top end of the NFL. And they've got some really good offensive pieces. Garrett Wilson, uh, Reese Hall, when he was when it was healthy, they look really good, but they have a super huge problem at quarterback. And they're facing a very difficult decision quite soon because they're going to have to think about Say they get to say they make the playoffs, or maybe they miss out. They just miss out the playoffs, or they they go in the wild card, and and Wilson has a stinker, and they go out. They're going to have to sit down in the offseason and talk about how do they get past Zach Wilson, because this is a guy who was drafted only a year ago or two years ago in in football terms to be their franchise quarterback, and he's not good enough. He's not good enough for the team that Robert Sala is creating and he's not taking on the responsibility i think it's very worrying the kind of stuff that was coming on the press conferences where he you know he didn't feel that he'd let his team down after only g- gathering 77 yards field and he could have given away much a, a bunch of inter- interceptions that were dropped as well he's the team he's the player that's holding back this team i don't think know if joe flacco's necessarily answer i don't know if they necessarily have the answer on the roster for this year but certainly when robert salad sits down in the offseason and goes how do i bring this team to that next level? How do I get them to compete with the Bills and the Chiefs? They're going to have to ditch Zach Wilson, which could be a very difficult thing to do, and find someone better, some, someone better, which is, you know, in terms of the NFL, even the more difficult part, finding good quarterbacks is a little bit like finding gold dust. Maybe he has a good relationship with Jimmy G or something that going back to San Francisco days that he can work on. Tell you, man. Um, Tell because you. all they need is a, is a veteran who isn't going to make mistakes. Because Zach be Wilson, is just, he's, not even, that, be he's not even at that caliber. Anymore. Rogers is going to come over there for about oh, 15 God. million. No, he's well, toxic. He's too toxic. He's too toxic. Uh, like the rumor now yeah. is the Rogers for car trade, but yeah, like look, oh, like, I saw uh, that rumor actually. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really make sense for the for for, for the. Packers in theory but anyway I don't have too much to add obviously a heartbreaking loss for the Jets and I think like I agree completely like Salah has not 
confirmed that Zach Wilson is the starter even this week. So I think change is coming if he doesn't book up soon. And I think I think Sean's completely right. The fact that he wasn't willing to take responsibility, uh, he got a layup question like, you know, do you feel bad? Like, do you, do you owe the defense? And he just said no, straight up. And it's yeah. just like, like, like a lot of like, comments. Like, like Garrett Wilson, the rookie wide receiver, had to respond yeah. to that. Like, and he's had comments like that previous weeks. I've talked about that already. It's just not a good look. And if he, like, you know, you can forgive someone at least if they're doing the right things and they're boring like Mac Jones, but being like this, being having an attitude and stinking the place up, that's a quick way to get out of the, out of the league. Like, he just so, feels like a poor man's Jay Cutler right now. Do we, do we really think having much. sex with his mom's friend made him too big for his boots? Maybe. Uh, but, uh, I think possibly uh, the, the media reaction to it has probably given him a bit of, a, yeah. bit of an ego. Like, yeah. like, just the polar difference between, like, had sex with his mom's friend versus caught mono from Sam Darnold. Like, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not great for Jesse. I've had very bad luck. I think a veteran would make sense. As for the, the Patriots, I think Sean's completely right. I think they're just a solid team. I think they're a team that almost would be better off going on the road in the playoffs, hopefully to teams that have domes, because they're a field goal offense. They only score field goals. They very rarely score touchdowns. And in a game where they couldn't score field goals because the weather was so bad, it basically neutralized them and let the Jets have a chance of winning this game. The Patriots were the better team here uh, in terms of their defense and on, certainly on their offense, but just because they could only score field goals that whole thing was exposed really badly so definitely a concern there in terms of you know beating a team like say the Chiefs who you know do score touchdowns uh, we had, going we, forward. We, we had a very brief chat there about like the Jets needing to do something next year like Sean what's your take on like is New England a draft a quarterback or is it a bring in a, a veteran because like I, I got I gotta believe they know that similar thing top end defense like Mac Jones isn't enough I mean, I kind of get the sense that Belichick likes having quarterbacks he can control. What he basically wants is a Tom Brady clone. And what he's created in Mac Jones is a Tom Brady clone. And he, what, Bailey Zappi is a similar. Like, he has the kind of quarterback he wants. And I don't think he necessarily wants someone who's like a, a game changer, you know, an innovator, or someone who will do things on the fly. He wants someone who obeys rules and he can rely on. And Brady was perfect in terms of that. But Brady was always... Just give the ball to him and he will do the things that need to be done. I think he's just adjusting the fact that Brady was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of player and those kind of quarterbacks are generally more of the Mac Jones variety than they are of the Tom Brady variety. There's possibly he might upgrade, but I can't imagine he'd upgrade to anything much better than Mac Jones. I think he still wants a game manager. Kirk I mean, someone like Jimmy G might even be the perfect kind of thing to, to slot back in. Can't see them chasing it too hard, but I think if an opportunity arose... To, to get a kind of a, a reliable, solid veteran. They might look at it, but I don't think they're going out of their way to find a new QB. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, next up, we'll look at Dallas at Minnesota. Oof, this was a whooping 40-3. to Minnesota were exposed. Felt like watching them previous years. Cousins had 105 yards and a fumble. Absolutely destroyed by the Dallas defense, who had a fumble, seven sacks, 13 QB hits, eight tackles for a loss, and allowed less than 250 yards. Like, this contest was done. They were up by 20-something points, maybe just 20 points even at the half. The offense of line could have abused Minnesota's defense. Pollard had 80 yards on the ground plus 100 and something through the air and a touchdown pass. Zeke took two touchdown runs which as we discussed in the one last week Ronan kind of this is what you wanted to see. You wanted to see Pollard get a few more carries but still kind of mix it a little bit. This was more like you know more Zeke vulturing touchdowns to keep Jerry Jones happy but you know you're, you're seeing a little bit more of the Pollard juices you'd want. Dak 292 yards two touchdowns had no problem with this Minnesota defense. This is kind of what we were afraid we were actually looking at with Minnesota right that like you know they've had a couple of games where they've come up big but you kind of had that feeling of 
everything breaks right and everything goes okay for them, anything starts to go wrong, they could start to crumble. Because I, I don't think they're resilient, and I don't think Cousins is the guy who... Well, I suppose, like, there's not there's not a lot of ones who respond well to 13 QB hits. But, like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't deal with pressure well. And they were getting a lot of this pressure. Like, I, there was that vibe at the start of the game. Was it the second play that Micah Parsons got through and threw him to the ground and forced the fumble and you're just like oh it's, it's going to be one of those days yeah like i feel like sean in a moment's going to have a scooby-doo moment where it's like he's going to unmask the owner like the ghost haunting fraud island and it's going to be uh it was the old minnesota vikings all along the true frauds of the nfl <laughs> and uh you know he's also been quite high in the dallas so i think sean this is going to be a victory lap in a moment but just like to give like like what happened in this game basically it's a dallas defensive line which kind of was neutralized last week and uh, minnesota had done a pretty good job of neutralizing buffalo's defensive line last week as well just ended up that that water been the form book for the season just suddenly came true they were just it was open season on Kirk Cousins the entire time and you see that still if Kirk Cousins is under pressure which he to be fair he hasn't been under a lot this season he's still the same old Kirk Cousins and he still folds like a pack of cards to be fair Christian Darasaw was missing their their left tackle he's a franchise guy so you can get an excuse there but like the level of collapse here is truly just very, very Vikings. I think I was joking in the chat that maybe this was just a little bit too close to prime time, like the main game in the late slate with Tony Romo doing the coverage. Like, it's too much like a playoff game, and so the Vikings just just disappear effectively. And as for Dallas, yeah, like Pollard obviously definitely needs to be used more, and he's definitely a weapon not just on the rush game, but also in the pass game. And you can give Zeke the, the goal gun carries. He's still really good at that, but he's just not the same. He, he'll go for like a five-yard or ten-yard carry where Pollard will go for a touchdown. That's just all the difference you need, in especially when you have these kind of zone read uh, type touchdowns coming up fairly often with a, with the offensive line, which is kind of improving each week. And yeah, Dak seemed to be enjoying himself. We'll see if he's uh, he's kind of been up and down, so it's good to have an easier game here. But yeah, the Minnesota defense just just didn't do anything. You might say I'm experiencing some schadenfreude to finally be uh, justified uh, in calling the Minnesota Vikings, but I've been calling them all... Well, I haven't been calling them frauds, but I have been saying that they're not quite as good as people said. I think they're a little bit better than last year. There's there's definitely improvements, but they've got the same old problems. Those problems are Kirk Cousins, and and the problems are that the defense isn't quite all that great. They're not a top-tier team. They're not a team that's going to compete at the top end in the NFC. And I think they got they, they got found out here. They were just ran into a better team and their form just evaporated. And I don't think there's much more that needs to be said about this. They're going to win their division because the Packers have had a meltdown, but I can't see them winning. They might win one play home playoff game, but they're not going to go much further. The real story, I think, is the Dallas Cowboys. And I, and I, I will say it did take me a little while this season to get behind the Cowboys because I was... I'm not a huge, generally a huge Cowboys fan because, you know, the whole Dallas, America's team, blah, 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 etc. But I think the Cooper Rush period of the season was a kind of a harbinger of what was to come. That this, firstly, their defense has looked dominant all season, but now that they've got their quarterback back, it's starting to click on both sides of the ball. And the questions have to be asked if the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. I think they're better than the Eagles. I think they're possibly better than the 49ers although i don't know if they'll actually think the 49ers are a better playoff team if that makes sense and that they're more likely to win out in terms of the playoffs but i think the cowboys might actually be the best team in the nfc they've got talent on both sides of the ball they've got good coaching on both sides of the ball i mean i'm here i'm hearing good things about both kellen moore's coaching on the offensive side and dan quinn's coaching on the defensive side they've got a really dominant pass rush in the defense they've got micah parsons tearing things up and on the offense they've got Jack turning strangely into the ultimate kind of Alex Smith style game manager, not 
taking any risks but but taking what's there they've got two rb1s running amok it's unfortunately might be the cowboys year which is a which is not a good thing to say thankfully we don't live in america and don't have to deal with cowboy fans on a daily basis i imagine the internet will get quite insufferable if the cowboys win a super bowl but i think they are genuine contenders because this team that's is coming together in a, in a very good way and are going to be tough to stop and remember sean was right <laughs> I must say this feels a bit revisionist because I I don't remember you being that high on the Dallas Cowboys. I remember you telling us off that we were being too hard on Minnesota and I, that they were I, better I, I, this I think year. He, I think I think Sean the Dallas thing has grown over the season. I have noted that. Mm. And then like the Minnesota thing, even even when he said they were improving, Sean was still very begrudging of it. <laughs> uh, like very he didn't good. really believe it. You could tell he just like okay, I'm obliged because they only they lost never... one game. They're the Minnesota Vikings. That that fact never changes. Yeah. See, I wonder if it's just that our theory was still correct that Minnesota don't really tend to beat playoff teams. It's just that there's fuck all playoff worthy teams in the NFC this year. And as always, look, some games are more important than others, but all games still matter. So this is why we're going to give you the rest of the games in the dump off. Yes, it's week 11 of the dump off. And as we get towards the end of the season, after all, the real season starts after Thanksgiving, more and more teams who will be auto dumped off as their playoff relevance fades into obscurity. However, this week's dump-off will start off with a few games that still have some playoff relevance and are worth talking about in a little more detail. Uh, starting with Chicago at Atlanta, 24-27. Atlanta keep their faint playoff hopes alive as they have an entertaining back-and-forth game as Mariota does a solid enough game, certainly better than some of his recent output. Uh, maybe Calpits going out with better for him, but it complemented, as usual, the run game, which had over 100 yards, and a defense which was very effective. Four sacks, nine tackles for a loss, especially in the second half, though maybe it has something to do with Justin Fields picking up an injury. But of course, the highlight of the play for Atlanta was the Patterson kick return touchdown, his ninth in his career, a record-breaking, all claps all round for Coradell Patterson. He's had an amazing, unusual career and definitely deserves a Hall of Fame consideration, in my opinion. Moving over to Chicago, like Fields, yes, he was his usual explosive self, particularly in the first half. He finishes with 150 yards of touchdown interception passing, 85 and touchdown rushing. But that injury, I think, just exposes the limits of his game. He's very much a talent-dependent quarterback. And he kind of reminds me of, say, uh, Hurts from last year in the playoffs where when he was hurt and wasn't able to run around, he was exposed. And I think some similar things might happen to Fields if he has a serious long-term injury here, whether his shoulder or perhaps his hamstring. The defense is still terrible, so I don't expect Chicago to win too many games. But at least they're entertaining. Hopefully that keeps up. Hopefully Fields will be okay going forward. Next up, Cleveland at Buffalo, or more accurately, Cleveland at Buffalo in Detroit. 23-31 win for Buffalo. Buffalo are back on track, and the score is a little bit misleading here. Buffalo had this game well in hand early into the second half. Very late venue change due to a snowstorm in Buffalo, having to move, you know, basically had to rush onto an airplane at the last moment and uh, get out of there and had a bunch, loads of stories about Buffalo people showing up with their team and shoveling uh, driveways and stuff like that. But, you know, fair enough, they paid homage to their fans. They got the win. Allen, 204 yards and a touchdown. But I think the big thing here is that like, Cleveland have had a historically bad run defense this year and they exposed that. Singletary went for nearly 100 yards and a touchdown. James Cook got involved more, 86 yards in total. And so I think, you know, they did the smart thing and they didn't just rely on Josh Allen to win the game for them. Uh, their defense was exposed a little bit early on, but eventually they took away what was important. In particular, Nick Chubb was locked down from the start of this game outside of a few nice pass plays that led to some pass play. So, you know, Brissett had over 300 yards and three touchdowns, two of them to Amari Cooper, who himself had over 100 yards. But as the game went on and, you know, Cleveland were forced to come from behind, the deficiencies in the Brissett-led offense were obvious. And, of course, that's why they're... Uh, hoping to get Deshaun Watson back. I'm hoping that Deshaun Watson looks worse than Jacoby Brissett, but we'll see in a couple of weeks. 
these issues of not being able to come back exposed once again to Cleveland. Buffalo get a win to get them back on track after a couple of losses. Next up, Thursday Night Football, Tennessee at Green Bay, 27-17. Tennessee with just another rock-solid win. Tannehill seems better these days, over 300 yards, two touchdowns. He did have an interception as well, but overall, very, very solid from Tannehill. Uh, he found Burks for over 100 yards, though a lot of that came on a uh, play in garbage time at the end to make the stats. And Woods also had a solid game, 69 yards. Nice. Henry was definitely a focus of the Green Bay defense, so he's only held 87 yards rushing, which for Henry is a pretty slow day. He did get a touchdown though, but he got 45 yards in the passing game, obviously you know, kind of dump offs and stuff like that. And he also threw a touchdown, which was fun to see. Uh, although fans were complaining, he only gets four points for a throwing touchdown compared to six points for the rushing, so some people are never happy. As for Green Bay, Rodgers was pretty solid to start this game. He had like 227 yards, two touchdowns, but as the game went on, in particular as we got into the fourth quarter and he had a lot of third down opportunities he just was inaccurate he just had a lot of floating balls he just didn't look quite right and even though he got two touchdowns to Christian Watson although he did have himself have a big drop early on it just was so unclutch and after potentially getting himself back in track with that Dallas win last week I think we can definitely put Green Bay yeah, in, in the shadow realm for now I don't think they're likely to be in a playoff consideration Next up, San Francisco at Arizona, 38-10, Monday Night Football, comprehensive beatdown by San Francisco, the new multi-headed attack with Kittle, CMC, Debo and Ayuk all getting touchdowns or over 100 yards, like, just looks impossible to stop right now with Jimmy G just kind of point guard, spreading the ball around to these guys and they just do all the yak that he needs to win games. Their defense also showed up here, making mincemeat of Colt McCoy, 218 yards in interception. He was pulled early in this game for Trace McSurley as the game got out of hand. Uh, San Francisco's defense, just interception, three sacks, nine sacks were lost, something to keep an eye on. This is a defense that, as it gets healthy again, will be a major factor, you feel, in the NFC. Uh, and this Arizona's defense, like, yak problems and problems with tight ends, brutally exposed again. This defense is better than it was in the first few weeks, but has glaring weaknesses in terms of allowing yards up to the catch, allowing tight ends to make plays. Um, they definitely need to work on that. Uh, but, like, this just feels with Cliff Kingsbury just not a reactive team. They just do their thing, and they're like, well, we'll beat you, That whatever happens. And I think there was, like, a story about, like, San Francisco came to Colorado, to, to Mile High, to have higher altitude, because Mexico's obviously at a higher altitude. Uh, Arizona did no preparation, and it showed. Next up, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, 37-30. The score is a little bit misleading here. I think Cincinnati had this mostly in hand. Cincinnati, they had to work their way past Pittsburgh here, who were a little bit improved, but Burrow continues to be in electric form. He had four touchdowns, two interceptions as well, but over 350 yards to go with that. And Higgins was really the star here, 148 yards. Pirine had a nice cameo with Mixon going at you to concussion, 83-2 yards, but three touchdowns all in the passing game. So overall... Burrow is carrying this team once again, and it's a good thing because the defense with all the injuries in the backfield are definitely an issue. Pittsburgh's defense, you know, got a couple of kicks in, in particular a TJ Watt interception that was particularly impressive, so that's better now that Watt's back, but still not the elite unit that you perhaps expect from Pittsburgh. But the offense was better, albeit, as I said, maybe against a poor Cincinnati defense due to injury. Pickett had 270 yards and touchdown, he could have had more. I think uh, Pickens dropped a pretty solid touchdown chance in the middle of it there. And Najee Harris, 116 yards to touchdowns, good to see him back in the saddle we'll see if he can keep that up but you know how much of that's the Cincinnati defense how much that's Pittsburgh we'll see going forward but Cincinnati keep well in touch with the AFC North title round and the wildcard hunt if they can't get over Baltimore next up Carolina at Baltimore speaking of 3-13 a very unconvincing win for Baltimore but they're playing Carolina who are one of the most 
pathetic teams in the NFL and they're changing quarterbacks at a rapid pace it feels like at this point and we'll continue to see that going forward you feel Lamar 240 yards touchdown interception he you know he came up when it mattered in the fourth quarter to get this game out of hand uh, and get them the win uh, but look he's playing with make sure he makes you wide receiver core Demarcus Robinson is leading it right now and the run game just doesn't exist they had 22 runs for 80 yards so he's having to do everything himself and it's showing but he's doing enough against a team like this Baltimore's defense at least it's improving a lot as the year goes on three turnovers four sacks six tackles for a loss around 230 yards allowed albeit against Carolina so I don't know how much you can make it at Baker terrible as usual he's played his way back to the bench unsurprisingly but the run game didn't do anything either and the defense is you know it was solid here but uh, you know it's probably next year maybe that'll be worth something right now given the offense it doesn't really matter next up Detroit at the Giants 31 to 18 Detroit beat a fading Giants team I would say through all these injuries and just maybe being found out a little bit you know there was only so long the kind of Danny Dimes magic could, could continue he had over 300 yards here and he had a touchdown but he also had two turnovers and those turnovers are really the thing that's killed Daniel Jones over the course of his career and look Detroit took control of this game quite early the Hutchinson led defense had three turnovers two sacks five tackles for a loss they gave up a lot of yards but they kept Saquon Barkley under control which is the main thing because if you just make Danny Dines be the center eventually he's going to make a mistake at least that's the theory and it certainly came true here Goff on the other hand for Detroit was playing a pretty comfy game as the run game was doing most of the work here uh, you know collectively they had around 150 yards coming from Williams who had the three touchdowns uh, Jackson and then Swift who had a touchdown as well in a brief cameo so you know he's not having to do much and Amon Ross St. Brown is making a big difference when he is having to make passes so Detroit looked closer to the offense they had earlier on and the defense is incrementally better you feel like every week still giving up yards but they're making key plays they're making turnovers and you feel like the production may come as long as this coaching staff has continued to give chances but you know we've kind of said that before so we'll see Washington at Houston moving into the less relevant part of the uh, the schedule 23 to 10 though Washington like look I suppose with respect to them they're technically playoff relevant but like look they just took care of here of a pathetic Houston team Heineke had a solid balanced game 191 yards no turnovers no touchdowns just nice and safe 129 yards for the rush game another game where the rush game looks back to being solid and the defense is doing a good job it's definitely better than the kind of awful defenses we've been seen over last season and, and early this season like two interceptions five sacks nine tackles for a loss particularly in that run game a lot of tackles for a loss for Washington every week and allowed less than 200 yards Mills is terrible and I believe is now going to get pulled for Kyle Allen most likely 169 yards and two interceptions just abject just terrible and Damian Pierce didn't do anything he had 17 yards because there's no other reason uh, to do anything around the pass game so why not just clamp down on Pierce and this Washington defensive line is getting uh, chased back presumably in the next week or two so maybe Wash can be relevant though I don't really want it to be <laughs> even with Taylor anything okay fun now finally a couple of irrelevant games Rams at New Orleans 2027 New Orleans fans may think they have some relevance but I think the NFC South will stiffen up now that Tampa Bay are back into some point of form and Atlanta will get a couple more wins but New Orleans like look they beat a moribund Rams here they had to get a few points towards the end of the game here at the Rams to make this even look anyway reasonable Dalton 260 yards three touchdowns he threw a deep ball to Olave that's good to see maybe try those deep balls a little bit more Andy Dalton see what you get but he also scored a touchdown with Johnson and Landry as well so nice and solid Kamara at 87 yards here in total so he was pretty solid as well just not in, not great but at least you saw sparks of something maybe that they could build on going forward Rams on the other hand's complete mess Stafford left in the second half early 159 two-year touchdowns he was actually playing okay against a bad defense but Perkins came in the whole thing just fell apart very very quickly uh, except for some garbage time points one positive the run game finally got going 
Cam Akers is making some noise, uh, Kyron Williams is making some noise, so, you know, they have some hope there, I suppose, but not that much, to be honest. And finally, Vegas at Denver, 22-16 to win in overtime. I don't care that this happened in overtime. This was a terrible game that wasn't worth watching for the vast majority of it, and basically, outside of the two, like, big plays to Adams, it was basically barely watchable. You know, this is a mistake-ridden game with lots of penalties, lots of mistakes, lots of crappiness. Carr... As I said, outside of Adams, who had 141 of his 307 yards, um, just didn't really do much. Jacobs, at least, continues to beat up on Denver <laughs> for whatever reason, um, after having blown him out in their first matchup this season. But, like, look, they're just Vegas are just one of those annoying teams, because sometimes they look okay, but too often they just collapse in themselves. Next week, they could be the worst team in the league again. As for Denver, Wilson mixed in some decent game play, you know, some nice throws and stuff, but there's no consistency to it. It's just a poor version of what they had in Seattle, where, you know, you get a bomb, and then you get nothing for, like, multiple downs, and it's just not sustainable. And his decision-making was terrible. They had a chance here to kill out the game within the two minutes, and he chose to take a big hero ball throw that stopped the clock and gave Vegas basically another extra 40 to 50, 40 seconds to play with in the two, within two minutes, which they took advantage of, and which eventually get them to overtime, which eventually got them the win. That's just the kind of stuff that happens under the Wilson Hackett ticket right now in Denver. It's just pretty terrible. Um, and like, you know, I know Vegas have Max Crosby and he was pretty good. But outside that, this Vegas defense isn't that good. So only getting 16 points, pretty pathetic. So that's the dump off for week 11. We'll see you next week. Now let's take a look at the games for next week. So we're going to kick off on Thursday. So you'll probably, if you're if you're listening to this in advance of these games, you'll be coming right up onto them. So the Thanksgiving games kick off Buffalo at Detroit. This is Rona's game of the week. Obviously a big, big one. Buffalo looking to get on track. Detroit starting to look a little bit dangerous. Tell us about this one, Ronan. Yeah, like I think it's an interesting kind of benchmark game for Buffalo. Obviously after having a couple of tough losses, then getting back on track by beating Cleveland by just looking good. And they'll play, be playing at the same field, of course, because they, they had to redirect to Ford Field because of the snow storm that's in Buffalo uh, probably gone at this point but over the weekend we're kind of like our priors in terms of the Buffalo have gone up and down very much over the last couple of weeks I think we all believe that they're still a good team that's why we're all picking them to win this game but I think Detroit are an interesting challenge because Detroit seem to be coming into some level of form at the moment and they are a team that seems to be able to knock off teams occasionally or make life tough in these kind of bigger games so I think for Detroit obviously Amon Ross and Brown has come back that's really made the pass game somewhat functional again for Detroit the run game which is really goes through Jamal Williams but you're seeing a little bit more of DeAndre Swift every week and you're even seeing a few like Jackson uh, cameos as well it's obviously the engine of their, their offense and they'll need to run the ball well to do that and I think Buffalo did a really good job of shutting down the Cleveland run defense last week which is not something they've necessarily done all year but obviously there's a difference between trying to shut down Nick Chubb because that's the only thing they have versus trying to shut down Detroit where if you do give one-on-ones guys like Amon Ra can make trouble for you so it'll be interesting to see how they choose to play this defensively whether they just go okay stop the run game and let Goff do it or whether they have more balanced uh, kind of pass rush orientated defense like they've had in in, uh, previous weeks and obviously on the defense Detroit's defense is still not good but it's definitely significantly improved Aiden Hutchinson starts showing up more in the stat sheet the defensive backs aren't quite as getting obliterated as they were in the middle of the season and so I think they'll offer somewhat of a challenge to Buffalo so we interested to see where the Buffalo offense really is because it's been kind of up and down in recent weeks obviously Josh Allen still looks mostly healthy but is probably carrying a knock from the injury a couple of weeks ago the run game looked impressive against Cleveland's terrible run defense I think 
Detroit have been somewhat terrible sometimes, somewhat okay. It'll be interesting to see if they choose to get Singletary involved. I think James Cook will be making more of an, uh, an impression. But I think, like, look, Buffalo have Josh Allen. They have Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis is usually good for a big player, too, despite the drops that he inevitably has. Uh, so you have to take Buffalo as the overall more talented team both sides of the ball. But I think I'm interested to see both how good Detroit can be as kind of a, you know, a ruiner uh, down the stretch, because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Though the NFC is kind of weird. But for Buffalo, just really, how good is this team? Because I think we've had a lot of questions about them. I think the back end of the season is where we get some of those answers. Yeah, and we've gone for Buffalo across the board. Obviously, the only thing might help is, obviously, it's at Detroit. Although Buffalo are down there, given the snow game from last week. Yeah, practically home game for them now. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It, it, it's, it's nice to see a Thanksgiving game where like, we see Detroit, the schedule, and I think, oh, fuck, we'll have to watch that. So it'll be at least fun. Giants at Dallas. We've gone for Dallas across the board. We mentioned in the news section that the Giants are missing a couple of pieces, particularly on that O-line and some weapons. To say that defensive line from Dallas and that defense overall stepped up last week, and I've got an awful feeling it's going to be the same. So we've all gone for Dallas here. Is there any way this like New York Giants collapsing hype train kicks it up a gear in an in-division game, maybe? Struggle to see it mostly because, I mean, I think there's co- good coaching, obviously, on both sides of the ball, and, but a lot of the Giants has just been driven by the fact that they had a game script and, and it worked. And yes, I mean, they'll probably know the Cowboys better than they know a lot of other teams because of the divisional thing. But I think the Cowboys have got the talent and the coaching and it's difficult for the Giants to overcome the talent deficit, I think. I think they just, they don't have the players who can make things happen. Because so I think what you really need to have against this this Cowboys defense and odd team in general. So I, I just, I struggle to see the, the narrative in which the, the Giants end up winning because I don't think they can grind this game out in the way they grinded out games against the, the Titans or the Packers or something like that. I think the Cowboys are a whole other level of challenge here. The big thing for the Giants is that they can't afford to have what happened to the Vikings last week happen. I get it, their offensive line is banged up. Danny Dimes had the, the turnover problems reappear. That's definitely a concern. But if they get blown out, what they've built this season to be kind of a fun, wild cardy type team, that could go very badly very quickly. So I think at least if they go good showing here against a good team like Dallas and just keep it close, run the ball well, let their defense get the Dak and make a bit of an impression there, I think they could be happy enough with that. But if they get blown out on what it's effectively a primetime game. This could turn around quite quickly. Maybe that's for the best, though, because Danny Dimes, I'm not convinced still that he's the future at the quarterback no, position I don't there. Think he is either. You know, given how happy it's been so far, I just, I don't want to see it happen to them. They did. So, Sean is definitely leaning into his, his, his stance now. New England at Minnesota. Liam Fitz have gone for Minnesota. Sean has gone for New England. This is your pick of the week, Sean. Really? Really? Yeah, I just, I believe. I, I've become a believer. I be, I believe that Belichick can grind games down. You want to talk about the good quarterback versus weak quarterback divide? I mean, I'm firmly on the belief that Kirk Cousins is a, he's a gettable quarterback. He's a quarterback you can scheme against. He's a quarterback you can plan for. I mean, Belichick's going to have all sorts of ways of getting at him. And I mean, Cousins, okay, it's, it's also Thanksgiving, which I think, technically counts as a primetime game and therefore primetime Kirk's going to turn up and that's going to be messy as well. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a good game to watch because Pats are not a fun, for for non anyone who's not a Pats fan, the Pats are not a fun team to watch. And I definitely think it could be a field goal heavy situation, but I think they can grind it out. I think they can grind it out on both sides of the ball that get enough points offensively to, to overcome the fact that yet you're, you're dealing with, yeah, you're, you're dealing with the, the, the offensive pieces but you still have to use the quarterback. I think the quarterback is the weak spot, and I think Belichick will come from it. The Patriots this season have been the ultimate fraud exposers. Like, they've lost to good teams like the Dolphins and the Ravens. Uh, they did lose to the Packers, but like we'll put that aside for a second. But uh, besides 
that uh, they lost to Justin Fields when he came back was amazing, surprisingly. But they they've exposed the Colts, exposed the Jets, exposed the Lions, exposed the Steelers. If you don't have good quarterback play, the Patriots have been owning you this season, and so this is the ultimate fraud test. And because it's in de facto, this is in prime time. It's the late game, you know. Every vibe says that Minnesota should lose the game. So this is purely like we're going to respect the record for one more week, Minnesota. We're going to say you're not complete frauds. New England don't have an offense. They only score field goals. You only probably have to score like 20 points or so. Oh, but yeah. if you lose this, you're back in the shit list. See, my thing is, I don't think I don't think Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback, which is what I think New England eats up all day, every day. Uh, that's I the th- question, though, isn't he? Ha- well, is no, he this, a bad quarterback? No, but, this, but this is the whole thing. <laughs> is he a fraud? It, 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 it's, it's the Dalton line thing. of he is, the, he is the least good, good quarterback, and he is the best, worst quarterback that you can have with essentially that kind of level, which is not exactly where they've been feasting this year. And then add to that Cook and Justin Jefferson, and you're kind of going, well... Actually, yeah, like they can probably get it out of his hands. It's 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 not going to be a seeing ghosts holding the ball once your first read isn't there kind of situation. I don't imagine, but I can see I can see where it would come from. I just I think Minnesota are a little bit above the level of the moribund yeah. Colts and Jets at the moment. But that's why this is interesting. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, Houston at Miami. The bottom dwellers are considering moving on from Mills at quarterback to I don't know. Is there anyone working in town? Kyle Allen. Oh, God, it's Kyle Allen, yeah. Jesus. Obviously, Miami (laughs) are starting to get a bit more balanced, but they've got two players who are chasing 2,000 yards apiece, so uh, they might want to get it going through the air. This might be a good one for making up them numbers, Sean. It's hard to see how this won't be an incredible mismatch, obviously. The Dolphins are coming together offensively, Hill and Waddle, and then two is looking pretty good at the moment. They're also coming off a bye week, so they'll be healthy and they'll be you know, rested and they'll have planned for this for two weeks. And the Texans are just not a good team. When you hitch your train to Davis Mills, I mean, it kind of feels like you're stuck with that train for a long time because if you had a better option, you would have gone for him already. So I, I can't see the Texans. They're just not a good team. I mean, no. they have Damien Pierce, but apart from that, there's nothing else going on. Whereas the Dolphins Dolphins are a playoff-ready team that are coming together, definitely. Cincinnati Tennessee. Me and Sean have gone for Cincinnati. Fitz has gone for Tennessee. Obviously, this is the solid Tennessee with... King Henry essentially versus the excitement yet somewhat kind of maybe not fully formed yet. A little frail. Cincinnati will say. Tannehill had a surprisingly good quarterbacky game last time, but I don't rely on that to happen normally. But equally, the Tennessee D-line started to get going and Burrow was taking a lot of pressure last week from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And obviously this is a rematch of the uh, number one seed Tennessee loss in the divisional round mm. where the defensive line basically did everything that it could to win that game for Tennessee. They had like nine sacks, I believe. Jeffrey Simmons was an absolute monster in that game, but Tannehill was the reason that they lost that game because 2021 Tannehill was terrible. And early 2022 Tannehill has been terrible, but he's got that injury. He's come back and he's looked like a new quarterback. Now, maybe that's just because the opponents weren't that great, but I think genuinely he just looks like he's backed more to what we expected a couple of years ago, where he's obviously still not going to turn into Patrick Mahomes or even Joe Burrow. Like, he's just a solid quarterback, gets the ball out, and you saw some, you know, interesting play from Trillin Burks, a few explosive plays. Bobby Trees is making a few more plays. They're getting some they're getting some production from the tight end position again. And obviously the whole engine of the offense is still King Henry, and the run defense for Cincinnati has been pretty poor. Now, DJ Reader, I think, should be back for this game. I think he was somewhat back last week, so that should make a difference for the Cincinnati run defense, but in his absence, they've been pretty terrible with 
in terms of run defense. I'm not sure, I'm he, not sure coming back from an injury, <laughs> stopping King Henry is what you want to be doing on your first day back. But yeah, yeah, but like, like, look, Najee Harris, who's been pretty bad this season, like had uh, I think nearly 100 yards against him. So I do have concerns there. Like Cincinnati are obviously a much more fun team, a much more exciting team, way more upside. So I have no like disagreement. You two picking Cincinnati and me picking Tennessee, but they're frail. They we've seen them being frail. So if 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 Joe Burrow is sacked a lot. We've seen them lose games a lot. If they, if they can't run the ball, and obviously Mixon is questionable for this game, that's definitely a little bit of a step back yeah. for them. And the defense, the defensive backs, like they're running out like what Eli Apple. And hey, other... hey, hey, Eli Apple nearly had a pick early on last week. <laughs> yeah, like Which they're, says they're a rolling lot about out the opposition. <laughs> they're rolling out some real jags on the defensive backfield, so there yeah. is opportunities there if Tennessee's pass game is truly not back into being great, but just I, being solid. So I'm willing to pick Tennessee here. Jag, so yeah. <laughs> I think like Tennessee, I'm willing to pick them and just give them chat. Like they've been solid. They've been winning games. Yeah. And even though Cincinnati are a more fun team yeah, and I, I like them more, I'm just going to, I'm going to pick them. Cause I think, I think I, has I'm, earned I'm that going respect. for vibes. I, I, I <laughs> want to live in a world where the Bengals win games yep. and the Titans don't win games. And that's why I'm picking them. 100%. They're a fun and team and I want them to win games. The Titans are not a fun team and I don't want them to Tennessee win. are incredibly boring to watch. Tennessee's quarterback stuff is just fucking smoke. Like, it's nothing real. Tannehill is not that good a quarterback. If Cincinnati can get up a score and a half, Tennessee can't just run the ball and Tennessee will crumble. That's my hope. Denver at Carolina. Oh, Jesus Christ. Ronan, we've gone for Denver across the board. Do you want, do you want to just record this and just put it into the, the, the dump off next week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wheel of quarterback, turn, turn, turn. Which quarterback will get churned uh, for Carolina? And Denver, who, who gives a crap? Russell Wilson out there still having, like, three explosive plays and then just being terrible for the rest of the game and now Latavius Murray is just going to be the entire rush game. Both these teams are terrible but Denver have a solid defense and they at least occasionally have explosive plays. We'll favor them here just because yeah. slightly better. Atlanta, Washington, we've gone for Washington across the board. Yeah, like they've looked better under Heineke. Like we said, they're I think five and one their last six games. Atlanta look a bit confused. They've lost Kyle Pitts although to be honest I don't think like, I don't good. think they understood how to pass to him anyway, so maybe it's not that big a loss. They can put a more blockery type tight end in. This is a pointless game. Like Washington are trying to push up the relevancy. Atlanta are trying to stay in the hunt. I don't care. But it is a technically relevant game. It, it's between That's fine. Two... It's not relevant, though, because like at worst case scenario, it's the team that loses in the wildcard. Like... Yeah, but like a yeah, wild, wild card team seven, is still relevant. We're not working for the NFL. Up. We don't have to pretend to care. <laughs> it's also the kind of game between two like kind of mad teams that don't make sense coming back and just doing things against each other. So this could be actually it could I've perversely be, be entertaining. Yeah, I've got a weird feeling we're going to end up seeing a lot of this when we're like watching in the pub on Sunday or something. Like the, yeah, there's yeah. just going to be lots of oh, they've made another mistake. Here's the highlight. Like. Yeah, I think for Washington, the big thing to see if they want to be relevant, I think Chase Young might be back for this he's game. Due, he's he's been, due back this week, yeah. Yeah, if that if that defensive line, uh, which has been growing over the season, particularly in the run game, can get going, if they can stuff the run game here, I think they should beat Atlanta quite handily. If they can't do that, and they well, maybe Mariota starts becoming a good passer, we'll see. Without Pitts there, kind of distracting him, it's like, oh, too shiny, I'm, I'm no good at this. Uh, but like, you know, boring, safe guys maybe are better for him. Then maybe Atlanta have a chance. I think Washington... We have a little bit more faith in them. But like Atlanta, they're just so wibbly-wobbly, you never know. Baltimore, Jacksonville. <laughs> Gone for Baltimore here. To be honest, Jesus, Baltimore looked awful frauds last week. Jacksonville have been up and down. They've got some stronger bits, but we need to see a better showing out of their defense if we're to get anything here. Because Baltimore aren't 
like they're just not getting the run game going fantastically well. They've got the explosiveness that I'd imagine that they're gonna turn it back around. But yeah, that's why we've picked them. But yeah, I could I could see Baltimore dropping this game, and that's yeah, that's that's that's, oh, that's yeah. not that's not a good sign for someone who's trying to be a contender this year to be like, yeah, it's late season business end of football. I might just drop an away game to the Jags. Like I kind of feel like the Jags are one of those teams that we definitely kind of want to talk more about, but until they prove that they can just put like a win or two together, it's just hard to trust them to do anything, even though Baltimore do have glaring deficiencies right now. But I think Mark Andrews is back, Demarcus Robinson's making some plays for them, and the defense is definitely taking a few steps up as the season goes on. So I think Baltimore's overall solidity should be enough to take on the Jets. You hope so. You hope so. Tampa Bay, Cleveland. We've gone Tampa Bay across the board. TB12 is back. He's been to Germany. He's chilled out. He's ready to rock. Cleveland, look very turgid at the moment the run game is decent but like yeah tampa bay the last game or two have started to look a little bit more like what you'd hope them to be and it feels like tampa bay are somewhat in the ascendancy cleveland feels like they're treading water but unfortunately they've like they've gone too far out and they don't have enough energy to get back even even when watson comes like unless he's on a fucking jet ski they're going nowhere Partly, I, I was tempted by the Browns, and I had them in the spreadsheet to win this one for a while because I, I don't know why if, if I fully buy that the Bucks are back. I think there's still some fundamental problems that they, they have. I mean, Brady is up to play, but there's a, there's a lot of other problems on that offense rather than just Brady's performance. But I mean, ultimately, the Browns do they have anything? I mean, they have a good run game, I suppose, but the. Their defense is quite weak, and obviously their passing game is, is non-existent at the moment. So yeah, I guess you gotta back you gotta back talent, and you gotta back Brady because. But it could be a messy game, and it could be low scoring, and it could be close. Tampa Bay are one of those teams that we're kind of keeping an eye on because obviously it's such a tough start to the season. But the last couple of weeks they started to rounding into something at least approximating what we expected from the Buccaneers over the last couple of years. The run game got going in Germany. Uh, Cleveland have a pretty run, bad run defense, so we'll see if Rashad White is still the lead back there or whether Fournette goes back in as the lead back. But either way, I think they can get production there. I think Brady has got the rhythm back to some extent. It's not as perfect as it should be, but it's certainly a lot closer to where it should be than previous. I think Tampa Bay's defense uh, has looked more solid. I think particularly the run defense, they shut down Seattle. Vita Vey is having a really good season. So I think Tampa Bay, they're not quite the team that we expected, but they're a lot closer than they seemed a month ago. So if they can just take care of business at Cleveland, then you know we might have to pay them more respect as we get down the stretch run. Next up is my pick of the week, because I hate myself, Chicago at the Jets. we got for the Jets across the board. Look, what I'm looking forward to here is Joe Flacco versus Trevor Simeon. It's going to be... <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, look, this is Jets defense. I'm hoping that they do something at the quarterback position to try and spark something. Chicago, they're going to be playing their little hearts out because they're trying to keep themselves live as well. So their offense should be fun. Hopefully Justin Fields isn't too injured, but their defense is struggling. So this is one that they might be able to, Jets might be able to get something moving against. This is just a lot of QB questions. There's a very fun offense that could be showing up on the Chicago Bears side. There's a very fun defense that could be showing up on the Jets side. So you should get some nice fireworks happening there. But then equally, it could just be Joe Flacco versus Trevor Simeon. And in that case, I imagine it'll be a very quick game, which is great. If, if Justin Fields is playing, I'd probably back the Bears. But if he's not, then I think strength be strength and weakness versus weakness, which would be an interesting dynamic. But there's not the Bears won't have a lot if, if Fields isn't playing. It's one thing getting shut down by Belichick. If they get shut down against this terrible defense, then full panic mode in the Jets, I'd say. Yeah. Anyway, New Orleans at San Francisco, Sean. I suppose we have to talk about that. Yes. I mean, I we've gone for Niners across the board because they're the better team and they're in a really good space. The, the addition of CMC has been, I think, the, the missing piece that gets them together, whereas the Saints, I mean, it's a whole lot of nothing. They're a boring team to watch. You're relying on Andy Dalton 
who's not even peak Andy. This is like veteran many years past his prime Andy Dalton to drive them forward. It's hard to see them being able to keep pace with a team that is just, you know, really exciting and really good and doing some really wonderful things on offense at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's the rusted red rifle here. <laughs> Vegas at Seattle, Ronan. We've gone for Seattle across the board. Yeah, like I think we believe Seattle are a good team. Obviously, if them as my kind of wild card, so making the playoffs. Vegas are bad. I just have no idea how bad they are because sometimes they look like bad, but then sometimes they look like the worst team in the league. So it really depends which one of them shows up. But like, look, their offense is just completely Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. So if they can shut down either of those guys, I imagine Seattle can get it done here. But like, look, disappointing loss in Germany. So Seattle need to come out of their bye, refreshed, hopefully get a good win here because they have a couple of easy wins, get themselves a wild card spot and uh, all's good. But uh, I wouldn't count Las Vegas out completely because they do have some talent, but the record so far this year indicates it's probably accurate to where they play to. The, the sum of the parts is not equal. The, the do, you have any, uh, do, you, do you have any opinion the on the, uh, the, the the rumor doing the rounds? That there's a number of people claiming that the press conference where Derek Carr started basically crying at, uh, that he was acting and that it's all fake. Just because he wears eyeshadow? No, I don't think that's true. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might do a deep dive on that uh, later on in the season. Chargers at Arizona. We've gone for Chargers across the board. Yeah, like... Stop hitting yourself. Stop, Stop hitting, hitting yourself. yourself. Stop hitting is yourself. a good <laughs> term for this. Yeah, like I, I've got, I've got a feel that the Chargers will be able to get out of their own way on this one. Question marks on whether Kyler Murray is playing or whether you know, like it would surprise me if Arizona were to come out of this one ahead, right? Yeah, it would, but it's the Chargers. Like we're gonna, we're all picking the Chargers because they're a better team and you know they have more going for them. But it's also the Chargers, and Arizona are one of those wibbly wobbly teams that can show up in any given week. There's a lot mm. of questions about them. Kyler may or may not play. Colt McCoy has had up and down games in in the fill in over the last couple of years, and obviously DeAndre Hopkins is playing well. James Conner should have an opportunity to have some yards here against the bad run defense. Like the Chargers, they have so much explosiveness. Keenan Allen should be back. Josh Palmer looked good. Austin Eckler's having a good season. Herbert looks healthy again. They should have enough firepower to take this away, but they're just so bad at winning that Arizona certainly have a chance. But I I, kind of feel that the Chargers have a good chance of making the playoffs. And if they're going to make the playoffs in the AFC, they're going to have to beat the teams like the Cardinals. But like the Cardinals... They have the Cardinals are just the kind of level that the that the Chargers yeah. will slip the, up the, at. The, the Cardinals' defense has been a little bit better, though completely overmatched by San Francisco this week. But overall, it's been a bit better. And with DeAndre Hopkins back, the offense at least makes some sense. But yeah, I think overall, Chargers. Yeah. Eh. Chargers <laughs> marginally better, I think, is where we sit on yeah. that one. Rams at Kansas City. Kansas City across the board for us. Look, the Rams look turgid. We don't know if their quarterback's going to be able to play. They're down their main offensive weapon, which is exactly why this is the game the Chiefs will fuck up on. That's pretty much, you know, big big, big win against a visual rival, and then it's like, ah, oh, yeah, this is the one we'll make a balls of. But no, Mahomes is playing off the charts at the moment. This is a Rams defense that isn't playing up to its talent level. This is an offense that doesn't really have answers. I can't see a spot where the Rams Is there like a meta comeback thing where like, you know, the way within games, the Chiefs always have to be behind to play their best? Is it like now that they're at top of the AFC again, they're like, well... I don't know, there's no fun or sport if we just yeah. like ra- ra- race to the number one seed without losing. So uh, It's like when you play Retro Bowl and it gets too easy, so you're like, okay, I'm going to do an entire season of only throwing to tight ends or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I imagine Chasey yeah. fairly much. Uh, Green Bay at Philly. This is, like, if it wasn't for last week, this would have been a spicier game. So yeah. the question is, is there any fight left in Green Bay? Do they actually want to put it up to them at all? Like, Philly looked beatable although to be honest the indianapolis colts defense played an awful lot better than i think we've seen green bay's defense play all of this year yeah like look green bay beat 
the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. Even though they lost by 10 points to the Titans, they were well in that game till the fourth quarter. They just were very inaccurate on third down. And so I suppose it's just a matter of like now that they're at like, I think seven losses and effectively that's going to be incredibly difficult to make the playoffs at this point even being in the NFC there's a sense that this is a team that's been on the edge has been curdling for significant periods and whether the fill up that they had by beating the Cowboys is going to go off very quickly again obviously Aaron Rodgers has just been a dickhead all season and so things might break down between him and the coach and him and his players and everything but like look they've had Christian Watson make some plays for them recently Aaron Jones in theory could make some uh, noise here um he's going to be very up and down but occasionally been looking good and their defense has been a disappointment but it's still not a terrible defense and obviously we've seen chinks in the Philly armor where if they don't get the run game going and they have to force the pass ball I think Sean was right earlier on like Jalen Hurts has been a little bit conservative which is weird because they have guys like in Devonta Smith and AJ Brown who are explosive down the field so I think Philly will probably play close and are more talented overall and, and certainly have a much better form than Green Bay but I wouldn't count Green Bay out completely they do feel like a team that could be a spoiler a couple of times down the stretch yeah no and finally Pittsburgh at Indianapolis me and you have gone for Indianapolis and Sean has gone for Pittsburgh dedicating to his New England love of fuck it I hate football I love defense can Indianapolis keep up the momentum they've been building under Jeff Saturday will be able to actually close out a game or will this Pittsburgh to be frank honest like to be frank the the, the offense is not looked particularly strong there's been some fun bits with with, with Pickens and Pickett but like this is all about the defense and can the defense shut them down and we saw that Indianapolis are not exactly the world's strongest offense I could I could see a similar kind of very slow game of attrition defensive football game here what you hoping to see if you're a Steelers fan is that there's been embers of offensive production like they scored 20 against the Saints they scored 30 against the Bengals neither who I'd say would be good, have been good defenses this year but like at least they're scoring points now Pickett looked a little bit more comfortable that's good to see Najee Harris was somewhat productive last week so if they can just get those elements working and the defense suddenly looks like a somewhat reasonable defense with TJ Wattback he just seems to be the makes that defense good or bad single-handedly then they have a chance here but I think Indianapolis like they've been a little bit more solid over the last couple of weeks obviously JT has been looking better Taylor's looked a little bit better Ryan is a he is spent but he's fine at just reading the ball to Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman and so I'm gonna put a little bit of faith here and say Indianapolis and get it done at home but yeah neither of these teams are particularly inspiring but they're on a little bit of an uptick so we'll see who can continue their very minor momentum that'll take us through the games for next week so any crack with yourself for the weekend not too much uh, the World Cup has obviously started so I'm sure Sean would talk about all the World Cup he'd be watching if his cat wasn't sick and the dog didn't need training but yeah like it's it's been interesting so far Saudi Arabia beat Argentina so maybe this World Cup will be a little bit of fun and uh, I might check out the new the Glass Onion one the the, the Knives Out sequel um, in the cinema uh, before I think it's only out for a week because it's on Netflix technically as well but yeah, I might go I see think, in the cinema I'm, I'm, I, think, I think we're very much thinking about holding on to that one for Christmas because we find the Knives Out to be the perfect one to watch with parents over Christmas because it's entertaining but there's not too much nudity in it so it's easy to sit with the folks and watch yeah, but like it's the last week of November, not usually the most uh, partying of party times, and I'll probably be sticking to that. No, no, we've got some family coming up to join us for the weekend, so it should be fun. Might even get out wander around the zoo with some of the young'uns and might try and then catch a bit of the football in town afterwards. But yeah, should be yeah. should be obviously, good crack. All our best wishes to Hetty. Uh, yeah, hopefully she's doing all right there now. But yeah, I suppose that wraps up for now. So uh, for now, it's bye for myself, bye from Roland, bye, bye from John. Uh, it's been awful, I'm going to start listening to a chat to you next week.